You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. Our guest today is Henry Brown. He is the Warwick historian and member of the Warwick Historical Society. We invited Henry here to talk about the TF Green Airport, which is a beautiful big airport, uh, one of the top rated in the country now, but it had humble beginnings way back in the days when it first started. Henry, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, uh, and it's a, delight, it's a delight for me to be here and uh, uh, join in the podcast. Great. And you're part of the Warwick Historical Society. Uh, there's so many great things that they have there, and keeping uh, pace with all the history of Warwick, I really want to commend all the work that you've been doing there over the years. Why don't we talk a little bit about the TF Green Airport? When did the airport first begin operating? Well, before we get started on the uh, when, when the airport got operating, it's interesting because Charles Lindbergh, uh, once he flew across the Atlantic in April of uh, 18, eight, uh, 19, 1928, electrified the entire country. And uh, so the, uh, there was a decision made to create airports in every state in the Union. And one of the desire, desired locations uh, was uh, outside of Providence in Warwick. And it was the John Brown Francis uh, uh, Farm of about eight, six to 800 acres. And this was the choice for the Aviation uh, Association and group in, in Rhode Island that this fee because it had a location uh, with a high banks uh, located on Narragansett Bay. And seaplanes then could land. And uh, so the uh, uh, Lindbergh came in, uh, in July, August of 1928. And the field had been at Gasfee Point uh, in the Alice Francis Brown estate, uh, had been laid out had been laid out and and uh, marked. They had a uh, I have photographs showing that the field had been had been rolled and selected and so forth. And there was a great great elm tree on this particular site, and it was a it was a, it was the only elm tree standing about eighty feet tall on this open land. So it was really it was a beacon. Uh, and there was a dispute that my grandmother asked a bond, bonding be made uh, for $220 or something or other uh, to protect the, in case her fences were broken down. And uh, so uh, they refused to pay it. So, so there was a discrepancy and a little, uh, little time and... Uh, so next thing uh, we knew that the location for Lindbergh's landing would be at Quonset. And uh, so the landing took place in Quonset and not on the, uh, the Brown Farm uh, in, or Governor Francis Farms in Warwick. 
Well, shortly after the landing, uh, the uh, state of Rhode Island had to pass the bond issue, allowing enough money to purchase land. The money had been allocated, so the state of Rhode Island, uh, Senator Bodwell, was purchasing land in the Hillsgrove area uh, very quietly. So because the, the, the land was cheap, the land was swampy at Hillsgrove, and so land was purchased, and they completely bypassed the Governor Francis uh, Farms location. And uh, so by 1929, uh, the formal dedication and all uh, hadn't been ta- actually hadn't taken place, but they they started runways. Now the governor at the time was uh, Governor Theodore Francis Green, and uh, he was an outstanding. Uh, not he was a uh, member of society, but uh, he uh, he carried carried a lot of uh, influence and weight. And uh, so the, the, the first runways were laid out and constructed. They first went in drainage. It was so uh, very wet, the Hillsgrove land, because it drained down into Bucky Brook. It flowed out uh, near Connecticut Point. Uh, the, uh, and is that how we got the T.F. Green name from the governor? From Governor uh, Theodore Francis Green, T.F. Green. Okay. Uh, he had been born in 1867, and he died in 19, uh, uh, age of, uh, ripe age of something like 99 or 100 or oh, something. Wow. It was absolutely amazing. And, and what drew people to the airport at first? Because it was a rich person's situation to be flying someplace. Uh, if I recall as a kid, did they have like uh, test flights you could go up and experience what it was to be in an airplane? Well... Uh, it really wasn't because it was the small, very small little planes that were landing at, at, at Green Airport. And it wasn't until 1933 that they constructed the, uh, the Theodore Francis Green uh, 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 building. And uh, so that was dedicated in 1933. So it wasn't until then that commercial airlines, but uh, uh, there was very little, uh, very few people that uh, did flying. And uh, there was was a Lippitt Aviation. They had a a small uh, location there where you could take, have rides and so forth, but but you had to pay. So it was, and money was very short in those days. So there really weren't very many uh, takers for uh, people having rides, and it wasn't a wasn't a very popular thing because uh, uh, the train still held uh, sway over the over the airport. Okay, and I understand T.F. Green Airport was a major factor to support World War II. Yeah, during World War II, it, it really it did the. Uh, there was a uh, command uh, unit down there, and uh, it was uh, and. So if you went from Hoxie Four Corners, heading to the airport, uh, a short distance were uh, were station guards, and they had uh, the road was completely blocked off, and uh, so that was uh, very very tight security during during the wartime. 
I remember particularly uh, there was a uh, across the street from the airport there was a Mr. Helene and he raised uh, he raised figs, and uh, so the when the airplanes returned on uh, missions and uh, they would they would empty out their uh, their freezers and uh, take all the the, the, the frozen meat that was uh, uh, wasn't was never used, and they would give it to uh, Mr. Helene, who fed it to his pigs. Well, when the when the meat came in, it being frozen and so forth, Mr. Helene would call my father up, and he says, "Come over." He says, "I got some something for you, Francis." And uh, so uh, we oftentimes get a nice roast beef or steaks or something. And uh, I, it was just amazing, the, uh, the different. And another thing was the, um, the, the training, the training that went on. And uh, uh, surrounding the airport were many farms with, with high cupolas on them. And uh, I remember one of the uh, one of the small training planes uh, hit the top of a barn and and crashed. It was uh, knocking off the cupola. So so then they uh, the the state went in. They said all the all the cupolas on the barns uh, surrounding the airport had to be removed. <laughs> so uh, I mean, it really was amazing. Then they had a bond drive. They have bond drives when they uh, opened up the airport, and uh, there's a photograph here that uh, illustrates to thousands, hundreds of people, at any rate, at a at a war war bond uh, sales uh, held at the airport. So it really was uh, really was quite exciting during the airport uh, during those war years. And. Talk to us a little bit. There's a lot of famous presidents and uh, planes. I know the Concorde flew in there, Air Force One, and a few versions has flown in there. We've had quite the quite the show of visitors. Well, I'm not really too too up on that one, but uh, but anyway, I do remember the Concorde because uh, I took a carload of kids over and uh, we parked. And the Concorde came in and it flew right over the top of our car and landed at the airport. And I do remember uh, several of the presidents coming in. And uh, there were many, many. Eisenhower came in and he would then go from there. And he had a summit in, uh, down in Newport. There was a large golf course down in Newport. So... Uh, I remember Eisenhower coming in. So uh, other than that, I really don't <laughs> don't recall uh, some of the other presidents. So. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about the airport, Henry? Well, how it's grown. I mean, it's just amazing to think in 19, 1933, the dedication of the Theodore Francis Green uh, uh, building, and uh, then... Uh, when Bruce Sunland was governor, we had that uh, immense new construction of the present-day uh, facility for receiving visitors in cargo. It's absolutely amazing the changes I've seen over a lifetime. From uh, from uh, I do remember one time we were driving across our farm, and uh, my brother looked out, looked out, and he said. He said to my, he said to my father he said oh dad he says the engine just fell out of that airplane oh my 
And my, my, my father said, well, I don't think the engine fell out. And uh, so sure enough, the engine did fall out at any rate. And because uh, the plane landed down in one of our meadows, we had a, we had a number of uh, uh, open meadows and uh, Lifford Aviation, and there were numbers of, uh, uh, it was never commercial airlines, but I do remember the, uh, the commercial airline that came in, it was, uh, and uh, the, uh, the hostesses uh, on, on, on board the ships, uh, airships, uh, they were uh, very well-dressed and so forth. They had white gloves and little caps on, and uh, so they didn't have any long ramps and all. You just pulled up to the door of the Theodore Francis Green Building, and uh, they put a, a little pair of steps, and then the American Airlines would then get stepped out, and they would help the uh, passengers uh, coming on and off the airplane. And uh, so that, that's, that's, a, that's about it. Okay. Thank you to Henry Brown for spending some time with our audience today and sharing insights on Warwick life and TF Green Airport. It's a great time to be in Warwick, and for those not living the Warwick life, come pay us a visit, read up on the airport, and see all we have to offer. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in and closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. See you next time. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.